Welcome to the Wealthy Circle Podcast, where we take a deeper dive into this year's finalists and winners from our wealthmanagement.com 2020 Industry Awards. These interviews cover the challenges, innovations, and trends in the wealth management industry and the individuals working to help advisors better help their clients. Okay, thanks for joining us, everyone. I'm David Armstrong. I'm the editor of wealthmanagement.com, and these are the Wealthies Podcasts. Uh, this is the podcast where we speak to finalists and winners of our wealthmanagement.com industry awards. And today I'm thrilled to be talking to Eric Clark, the CEO of Horizon Advisors Solutions. Eric, thanks for joining us. Thank you, David. It's an honor to be here with you and be part of the, the Wealthies podcast series. Well, you guys have uh, been uh, recognized just about every year since these awards began. So so we appreciate your your participation in the, in the program. It's It's fantastic. As you know, we're trying to highlight uh, initiatives to help financial advisors build better practices and better serve their end clients. And uh, and I know that's what you guys are all about at Orion. This year, there were about eight finalists, I think, uh, categories that you were finalists in, kind of across the spectrum, financial planning, uh, uh, direct indexing, some of the portfolio solution stuff, even some biotech investments that uh, portfolios that you guys put together. A lot of activity kind of going on there. Why don't you, first of all, though, uh, step back a little bit and and tell me uh, where are you calling in from today, uh, and and you know what what's life look like in your part of the world right now? Yeah, so David, I'm I'm uh, joining you from our office here in Omaha, Nebraska. It's the headquarters of our Orion Advisor uh, business. Uh, we have just over a thousand members of our team. Although we're headquartered here in Omaha, we also have offices in in Seattle, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, New York. And as I join you today, you know, I'm in a, oh, 75,000 square foot uh, facility here. And I'm probably, you know, one of maybe about a half a dozen of us that, that are in the office today. You know, we're, we're right in the midst of this pandemic and we are still in a very much a work from home environment, as I'm sure most of our advisors are as well. I know from doing Zoom meetings uh, all day long with the advisors that we have the good fortune to do business with, that many of them are, you know, working from home. From time to time, I, I see some some of uh, the advisors on the Zoom are are also in the office. You know, I've I've got teenage kids, David, and so for me, it's just easier to to be here in the office. Uh, so that's that's where I'm at today, and you know we're. We're uh, really excited about the, you know, the way that that our team has transitioned to this work from home environment. Uh, we're excited about the support levels that we've been able to provide to our advisors during this pandemic, and quite honestly, uh, thrilled to be part of a technology solution that our advisors are leveraging to enable their businesses to run successfully in a work from home environment. Thinking sure. back about the business continuity plans that we've put together over the years, that the pandemic always seemed like such a unlikely event to me relative to other things, you know, that we looked at like losing power or, you know, having a tornado here in the Midwest, mm -hmm. those types mm -hmm. of things seemed very likely. I, I guess I just never thought that we'd be in the situation that, that we're in. And, and interestingly enough, I think it's really shortened everybody's adoption of technology as a result of finding ourselves in this situation. 
Yeah, well, I was going to ask you about that. I think in, in just in general, advisor adoption of technology seems to have been moving apace even before country, large swaths of the country went to some kind of self-imposed shutdown or lock-in. But yet we've heard this as well, that uh, you know maybe there's been like a leap of five years compressed into five months or advisors have really taken to it. I'm curious if there's like another shoe to drop in that uh, uh, that that arc though. I mean, you know, I think when everyone sort of went into lockdown mode, you know, I think for the most part, the advisors that we spoke to, I'm sure those advisors you spoke to, uh, continuity plans went pretty smoothly. Advisors were able to keep up in contact with their clients. Uh, you know, they weren't seeing them in person as often doing video conferencing and, and that seemed to be going pretty smoothly. Most people seem to sort of carry the ball. But now we're kind of going into nine months and maybe another threat of another winter, you know, winter yet. And this thing could go on for a year or longer. Uh, how is there any kind of like long term sustainable improvements or long term damage to be done to this industry? Because of this thing just seems to be lasting a lot longer than people thought it was going to when we first started talking about it. Well, anytime that there's a change in the world around us, David, I, I think that clearly we have to be willing to, you know, set aside our old ways of thinking, our old ways of doing things, even things that had become, you know, norms and, and things that were ac accepted. We have to be willing to step back and reevaluate the, the status quo, so to speak. And I think that there are opportunities that will forever change the way we do business as a result of this pandemic. For instance, the advisors that we serve no longer view themselves as geographically restricted. They are now able to confidently take on clients uh, that live essentially anywhere inside of the United States. You know, they can connect with them virtually, they can serve them using uh, digital technologies and not worry about having to ask that, that prospect or their, their client to come into their office to sit down to, to have a meeting. And, you know, that's really a result of this pandemic. You know, technologies like Zoom that we would have taken to your point earlier, uh, from five years to five months, even to five days to, hey, we need mm -hmm. to adopt this right now, are not only have advisory firms moved at lightning pace to adopt those technologies, but the clients have as well. And so when we step back and we look at things that have changed, uh, one thing that we can realize is that it's going to create opportunities for us, different opportunities than maybe what we had, you know, pre-pandemic, but clearly there are opportunities out there that we can capitalize on. And recognizing that, we also have a tremendous opportunity to reevaluate and hone our value propositions. Specifically, we're seeing advisors you know, sharpen their saw with, with regard to their efforts to uh, prospect, plan, invest, and ultimately achieve investor success in very unique and different ways than they did pre-pandemic. Now, let me share one that's top of mind, uh, you know, at, at our business here. You know, we're always looking at ways that we can recruit and retain top talent to serve mm -hmm. our advisors. And 
over the the 20 plus years that that I've been running the Orion business, you know, we've always tried to stay on the cutting edge of ways that we can recruit and retain top talent at our firm. And, you know, it used to be that uh, allowing people to dress uh, business casual was something that was, you know, cutting edge. Now, most firms obviously have adopted that. Uh, It used to be that allowing our team members to take a sabbatical after, say, a given number of years of service was, again, another way that we could recruit and retain top talent. So we started to kind of push the envelope there with regard to creative ideas and creative thinking along those lines so that strategically we put ourselves in position to win. Well, I think that as we step back and we look at uh, this work from home environment, we've realized that our team members want to retain the flexibility to work from home post pandemic. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, it may be a bit of a false positive today because we don't have a vaccine and it hasn't been widely distributed uh, yet. But once we get past that, I think to be an employer of choice, we're going to need to allow our staff to continue to work from home, be very flexible with regard to location. And oh, by the way, I think that presents opportunities for our workspace. Uh, Our workspace could be more collaborative and team oriented in nature. Our footprint, our corporate footprint here certainly will be uh, less in the future than it is today, even though Uh, our teams are going to continue to grow as we continue to grow our business. And yet we will realize some significant savings as a result of that. I think it presents a lot of win-win opportunities across the board, but we've just got to step back and look at ways that we can operate our businesses very differently in the future relative to how we were doing business before the pandemic. Sure. Will you um, uh, get rid of some real estate there in Omaha? Are you going to be downsizing your offices? Uh, you have a fairly large building there, don't you? We we have two fairly large buildings, but we, we have opportunities with this space to make it more collaborative. You know, today we have a lot of cubes, a lot of desk uh, desks that are available for people. We immediately shifted to a hotel type environment where people can reserve a desk. They can do so in a very socially distant and safe way. But yet, obviously, while we're in the midst of this and we're still continuing to see cases on the rise, you know, people just generally speaking feel a lot better about working from home. So we're supporting that. But I do think, David, that, you know, this notion that we had of corporate culture only existing because we we worked inside of the same four walls is forever changed. Yeah, What that does to corporate space, uh, that's going to be very different for us as we go forward relative to how we looked at that traditionally. Yeah, for sure. And I'm not so sure anyone really knows what it's going to look like, but yeah, it will, it will change a lot. I, it strikes me that a lot of the things you guys do for advisors uh, were almost well-suited to this uh, time frame, right? I'm thinking here about the uh, you know, the recognition for the, the marketer marketing platform, a digital marketing platform for advisors, or even the COVID-19 social media campaign that you guys launched, giving them tools to kind of help navigate this particular time. I don't think marketer was necessarily for this particular time, but 
can you speak a little bit about to how you know maybe digital prospecting and digital sources of business growth will become more important you know now for advisors and maybe how marketer you see kind of marketer solving a need there yeah we really had a phenomenal opportunity uh, to acquire an advisor uh, finance the advisor financial planning business uh, in the June and July uh, of 2019 timeframe. Mm-hmm. And we, we bought advisor not only for their financial planning capabilities, but we also bought advisor for their ability to offer a personal capital like client experience uh, to the advisors that, that we serve. So mm-hmm. our advisors now have a client experience that they can lead with uh, as they're, they're prospecting uh, new opportunities. So they can invite prospects to fill out, say, a workflow around retirement uh, accumulation or college savings or retirement income, those types of things. They can engage with that prospect and efficiently gather information so that they can have a really effective and productive first meeting. Well, we not only wanted to enable those workflows and campaigns, but we wanted to be able to surround uh, those invitations with best-in-class marketing collateral that our advisors could leverage. And uh, we, we did happen to launch that uh, right at the same time, that, that campaign content that we call Marketer. Those campaigns are directly tied to the planning workflows uh, and, again, really drive some incredible uh, first meeting discussions and some really productive, productive outcomes that, that we're thrilled about. We, we did launch that right in the midst of the uh, onset of the pandemic. It has been uh, by far and away our most successful new product launch. And we're really excited about the momentum that those digital campaigns have with the advisory firms that that we're doing business with. We simply wanted to help our advisors digitally connect with prospects, be able to provide something of value back to those prospects without uh, our advisors spending an inordinate amount of time and also allow our advisors to identify those top prospects uh, in their funnels, so to speak, that they could uh, be reaching out and, and working with. It's been a, it's been a tremendous success. It, it was envisioned well before the, the, the uh, onset of the pandemic. Obviously the pandemic uh, provided uh, an incredible amount of uh, tailwind interest, so to speak, in that, that offering. And we're really, excited about the momentum that our advisors are experiencing to organically grow their businesses during mm-hmm. some times of significant headwinds. Sure. Um, so it's basically taking the, uh, what came with advisor, uh, A-D-B-I-Z-R, that uh, financial planning platform that you acquired, uh, and, and taking some of that functionality and, and, and putting it in some format that uh, prospects can stumble across and start playing around with and and maybe start up that conversation with the advisor? Is that how it works? That is spot on, David. That's exactly how it works. You know, the firms we're doing business with have the ability to pick a topic of interest that campaign collateral is already created for them. 
It is already digitally linked to the planning workflows and then the information flows uh, straight through to campaign dashboards, allowing them to decide the next steps or even automate what those next uh, touch points may be with those prospects that they've connected with digitally. Got it. And tell me a little bit about the uh, COVID-19 social media campaign that you guys launched. What were you trying to do there? That was a quick rollout. Well, again, what we wanted to do was when we, you know, when this pandemic came about in March, April timeframe, it was readily apparent to us that a lot of individuals in our, not only our community, but the communities where our advisors were doing business were hurt by the pandemic. Their anxiety levels of those that were and are impacted by this, uh, you know, awful virus are you know, creating anxiety levels that in essence are unprecedented. And, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, unfortunately some of the, the social outcomes of that people have, have lost their jobs. They uh, are finding themselves in difficult family situations where they've lost loved ones. They're, they're trying to figure out what their go forward looks like uh, in a very different world than, than what we entered this pandemic in. And we thought that one thing we could do would be to offer out to the advisor community at large, the ability to leverage our financial planning technology for free, regardless if they were doing business with Orion or not. We had dozens and dozens of firms reach out and take us up on that offer. We were able to see you know, an incredible amount of throughput in the financial planning uh, technology that uh, gave us some sense of satisfaction to see that we were able to leverage our technology in such a way that that hopefully we were providing some measure or some sense of peace to those that that were impacted by by COVID. Yeah, and 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 there was a real pickup on it. What does that tell you about where the advisory industry is in terms of? you know, that ever kind of shifting balance between portfolio management and investment advice to true financial planning. I mean, it strikes me that maybe there were a lot of uh, advisory firms that were maybe a little unprepared for the kinds of questions their clients would be having, right? Uh, you know, you know, David, I, I would also add that I, I was really excited to see some of the other tech providers, you know, our, our competitors, quite honestly, uh, also do something similar so that regardless of what technology you you may have had an affinity towards or uh, familiar familiarity with, you know, we saw firms like InvestNet's Money Guide Pro, uh, you know, led by Tony Leal, he, he stepped up and, and did something very similar to what we did. And I, I think it was really a great thing, not only for, you know, our advisors to be in position to help their communities, but it was also a way that our uh, tech community could come together at large and, and really recognize what we could do to, to make a difference. Um, you know, as it relates back to the industry, right? I mean, the, I, I mentioned earlier about, you know, taking this time to refine our value propositions. And we're seeing advisors shift from an investment-centric value proposition to a planning-centric uh, value proposition. 
historically, we've been in an industry that's very much focused on, let's identify your risk. Now we'll put you in uh, the investments that are most appropriate based on that risk level. We have certainly seen that shift uh, back towards helping the investor identify their goals, their objectives, their dreams, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and then coming up with an investment program that will help them maximize the amount of those goals that can be funded, help them realize what lifestyle changes they may need to make today to uh, provide a better financial future for themselves and and for their loved ones. It's it's a really uh, awesome thing to see our industry making this shift. I do think as we look forward though, David, that there's a bigger shift that is taking place uh, and we're seeing it with a few firms that are focused on uh, behavioral finance. So Mm. when we look at the shifts in our industry, I I think that we would recognize uh, or generally speaking that we would agree that the investment problem has been solved. You know, there have been uh, Nobel prizes awarded for those that have contributed to solving the investment problem. Uh, you know, whether or not your, your investment beliefs and philosophies align with that of being a strategic investor or even that of being a tactical investor, we do recognize that if we can stick with a strategy and approach over a long period of time, that the uh, rewards are typically there. And because of that, uh, you know, you step back and you look at the data of, I mean, even at a high level, investment product returns versus investor returns. And that gap, that behavior gap that exists is what I think as an industry, we've got to transition our efforts and energies and focus on helping to solve you know, that, that investor problem as opposed to the investment problem. And that means a lot of really interesting things for our industry as we move forward. Sure. And, and, you know, it's one of these things where, and you guys have been on the bleeding edge of this for a a long time, but, you know, there still is a portion of the industry that uh, does lead with investment management as their value. And more importantly, I think when I, you know, speak to you know, civilians out there in the uh, uh, in the world who don't have anything to do with the industry but have a financial advisor, uh, often their first comment to me is like, "Oh yeah, I have a financial advisor, and yeah, my portfolio is doing great." Or I have a financial advisor, and you know, he hasn't done anything for me. So you can talk about performance, you know, portfolio performance. And so there's still sort of a gap out there, I think, in the potential clients at large uh, that uh, still don't quite understand what we're talking about here. Well, I think clearly advisors step in. They are focused on helping the investor minimize their cost. They help uh, the investor diversify and allocate their portfolio appropriately. They're looking at ways to drive tax efficiencies and tax efficient outcomes uh, for the the investor. Uh, But the alignment of, uh, you know, even the alignment of risk as it relates to diversifying out their allocation, I think is, uh, those, are, those are all ways that advisors will continue to add value uh, mm-hmm. to the client. But I think that we've got to uh, dig uh, a little bit deeper, take our offerings, you know, a step further 
to really get at what will drive better behavioral outcomes. So for instance, you know, at a, at a very simplistic level, you ask individuals in general to rate their driving skills. We typically will rate uh, ourselves as above average drivers, mm-hmm. but we all can't be above average drivers. Well, I think that there's a tendency to overestimate our ability to take on risk. There seems to be uh, a difficult uh, way in which we order our priorities. Uh, Some of us may have our aspirational goals ahead of our basic needs, so to speak. If if you look at, uh, you know, even going back to a very basic model of of the hierarchy of needs, so to speak, advisors may find that investors, for instance, have a disproportionate allocation of their wealth tied up in uh, a small business venture, as opposed to making sure that they have cash on hand to survive a crisis for, say, a 12-month time frame. So Mm -hmm. I think that there are things, you know, if, if you look at the Aspirational Investor uh, book, which, which is just a phenomenal book that, you know, those types of, of behavioral opportunities, uh, you know, exist at, in that advisor-client relationship. And I, I think that's the, the next frontier as an industry that we can focus on to really drive uh, value back to the uh, prospects and clients that, that as an industry we serve. And, and where you see technology, and I, I know you guys, you consider yourself a technology company, correct? Where do you see technology helping in that effort? Yeah, we, we've got to do a better job uh, providing our advisors with the tools to take that behavioral case all the way through the process, right? We can design and personalize an experience in a similar way to you know, what Netflix does, you know, when, when I log into Netflix, they, they tend to know things that are of interest to me, things that, that uh, I'll naturally gravitate towards. And, you know, we need to do a better job of that as an industry and as a technology uh, business and not only curating experiences uh, that will resonate with the investor and help them segment and view their wealth uh to drive behavioral alpha, but, but we've also got to do a better job of providing that type of experience back to our advisors so that the approach that they're taking does innately resonate with their uh, belief system as it relates back to planning and investing as well, so that they'll have the conviction that they need to help their investors stay the course. You know, when you look at uh, investment alpha, and you look at tax alpha, you even look at alpha that our advisors add by the alignment of of, uh, risk and and evaluating costs. All of those things are great, but they pale in comparison to the behavioral alpha opportunity that exists of helping clients invest appropriately, understand the their relationship with their, not only their investment portfolio, but the the cash that they have set aside for savings, as well as potentially aspirational allocations towards helping them, you know, start up a small business or leave a legacy, those types of things so that the advisor can help drive uh, a a balance of behavioral uh, value back to the investor. 
there's a lot yeah. we can do there. There's a lot of opportunity ahead. And, and quite honestly, as a tech provider, we've just got to do a better job of helping uh, that next frontier, uh, so to speak, of, of the change that needs to take place in our industry. I also think you'll see uh, as we go forward a lot more uh, psychology-oriented type degrees being best suited to uh, act as a CFP as opposed to a financial or an accounting degree uh, similar to the background that I have being able to be best suited to help investors. And the reason that I say that, again, is that a lot of the investment analytics and the value drivers have been automated, commoditized, not to say that they're not important. They are important. It's just that we've got to push ourselves beyond our traditional ways of thinking and really get to what can drive additional value to the investors that we're serving. Right. And what the role of the advisor is there in that equation, right? When so much of that- Very different. Uh, very different. Yeah, very different role. And, and I've, even recently, right, I, advisors seem to be saying, uh, well, hold on for the long term. You know, th- this isn't about looking at the next uh, week or year or whatever. Hold on to the long term and, 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 and it'll all work out. And that's not quite enough, is it? I mean, it, you know, particularly as markets get a little wobbly and tend to- Advisors you know, have got to provide and report out a framework that will help that message better resonate with the investor than what we've done historically. I think that that means that we've got to aggregate additional assets, savings, bank accounts, uh, cash set-asides, uh, those types of things that, that are uh, included as that safety net to allow those, those lifestyle or those market-level type returns to, to be a bit more volatile, knowing that that safety net exists. You know, those types of things and the way that we're reporting out to uh, investors needs to change to, to just drive better behavioral alpha. Yeah. Well, it's exciting stuff. I we could talk about this for a long time, Eric. I know we, we could, and and there's certainly more here that the judges recognized in our awards that we could talk about. But I know we only have a half an hour, and we're we're already there. So uh, this has been great. I really appreciate talking to you. I uh, uh, appreciate every time we get a chance to talk. So thanks very much for joining us. Great. Thank you for having me, David. This is David Armstrong, editor of WealthManagement.com, and you've been listening to the Wealthies Podcast. This content has been made for information and educational purposes only. The views and opinions represent the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of wealthmanagement.com.